0: One of the biggest reasons that diets fail, at least in my experience, is that people are hungry. When you're hungry, you don't make good choices because you're hungry. You're you're basically fighting against yourself. You can have as much willpower as you want, but eventually it's going to run out and you're going to start going to the easy snacks again or pulling through the drive-thru because you're starving. It's not fun to do that. Protein makes you feel full. When you're full and you're satiated and you feel nourished, you're not going to want those foods as much. Morning, welcome back to the show fam. Today, we're talking about how to set yourself up for success and how to structure an animal-based diet. So we cover everything from shopping, to pantry purging, to pulling on that very powerful lever called protein. We talk about different cooking methods from searing to slow cooking, to getting a little bit fancy and maybe getting something on the smoker. Uh, We talk about some examples of what your meals could actually look like at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we get into our callers where we have some conversations around impaired gut function and a little bit slow digestion and constipation. We talk about, is there such a thing as too much organs and what's the appropriate dose for thriving and saturating the tissues with nutrient dense foods? And last but not least, we talk about prolonged fasting and the difference between time-restricted eating versus something like a 24, 36 or 48 hour fast. So buckle up, let's dive in. Without further ado, let's go. Hello, you beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Health Radio. Today, we're bringing it right back to the basics again. We're looking at practical tips and tools and strategies that I use, and everybody down at the team here, and pretty much everybody that's been successful adopting this way of life in terms of the very Herb, bones, basics, how to do this, how to eat animal-based. So we're very much focused on strategies around shopping, cooking, sourcing, and building your plate to set yourself up for success on an animal-based diet. So where do we begin with this? I always like to think first about setting ourselves up with or for as much success as we possibly can. So in my mind, what that means is... Shopping and setting the home environment up for success. So, the first thing I would challenge you to do, if you haven't already done this, is to do a little pantry purge because we become our environments. So, this gets increasingly difficult, I know, if you have kids and all of that stuff and they have some certain snacks around, it's more difficult, but I would encourage you to, as best as possible, adopt your whole family into this way of being if you can and therefore swap out the processed foods for the better, more natural options. But the Pantry Purge is the best way to set yourself up for success because you are going to get out things of the uh, in the home that are not sustainable or beneficial to your health journey. So go into the nooks and crannies and the drawers, And put all of that stuff in a bag that doesn't serve you. It's the ultra-processed foods. If you've got any of those seed oils still hanging around in your cupboards or the PAM sprays or anything like that, let's get rid of those. They do not belong in your diet. They're not going to help you thrive. And it's better to just get rid of them because if they're not around, you won't use them or you will not eat them. So we're looking for your cooking sprays and your nasty seed oils. We are looking for gluten-containing snacks and crackers and biscuits. We're looking for the potato chips cooked in the seed oils. And we're just looking for anything that falls under that umbrella term of ultra-processed foods. If it can basically live on a shelf or in a box, for years without going bad, it's probably safe to say that it's not animal-based approved because we're eating foods that are organic and natural and perishable. So all of that ultra-processed stuff, let's get it out because what you put in your mouth is information to either upgrade or downgrade your biological systems. And we want to make sure that every bite of food we take or as close to every bite of food we take is upgrading, 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 and giving our body the great information and instructions to continue to upgrade our biological systems, help us thrive, build muscle, Help us achieve insulin sensitivity and all of that fun stuff that we're really trying to do here. So, get rid of all of that stuff first. Now, you've cleaned your home, you're set up for success in that way because you don't have any of this stuff hanging around that you're likely to snack on uh, late at night or just go to when life gets stressful and you're looking for the easy option. So, we're now we're going to talk about shopping and setting yourself up for success because when we go to the grocery store, what we put in our cart is what we're going to put in our homes, and that's going to be the foods that we eat. So, we want to shop the peripheries of the supermarket aisles we want to go to the fresh produce we're going to be looking for that delicious organic fresh fruit you're picking up whatever you like you know your avocados your bananas your pineapples your mangoes whatever delicious organic fruit that you can have i think Buying a bunch of that, chopping it up, prepping it, having it in the fridge so you can use that as a serving, as a side with your eggs or with your steak or whatever it is, is always a good option to have on hand. Uh, fruit is an amazing food and it's where we're gonna get most of the bulk of our carbohydrates on an animal-based diet. So once we've kind of gathered our fresh produce and we're looking at that delicious fruit, now we're gonna go and see the butcher window or we're gonna see what's happening in the meat aisles. We're looking for the most versatile uh, meat in my uh, opinion, which is ground beef. It's it can go with breakfast it can make hamburgers you can do all kinds of stuff with ground beef it's got a really cool uh, nutrient profile because it's got a good mix of methionine and glycine because it's got those chewy bits and those cartilaginous bits all ground up in the meat and this is very versatile so it's one of those things that you can usually find and buy in bulk too uh, so load up on the ground beef shop the shop the sales if you see that some some cut is reduced and it's you know five dollars a pound as opposed to ten dollars a pound Try to buy in bulk as much as you possibly can where you can. Uh, This is where if you have something like a Costco membership or a Sam's Club membership or one of your family members do, that it might be smart to borrow their card and go and do that shop there. Like if you go to Sam's Club, you can get these 15 pound packs of ground beef that's organic and it's grass fed. And I think it averages out at about four or $5 a pound. So it's very sustainable, it's reachable. And because we're ignoring most of the stuff that's in the middle of the grocery uh, store aisles, we're saving a bit of money that way. So we've always got to remember, like, we're voting with our dollar to the best of our ability. And that means we're voting for quality in terms of if we can buy organic versus conventional, we always want to do that but we're also voting for our dollar with what we get to put in our mouth, what we get to choose. So it's a vote and an investment in our health. And this is often an investment. It means that maybe some other areas of your life have to tweak and and dial back a little bit so you can afford more of this healthy, real food and produce but that's going to get you so much more back. So see it as an investment, not just a cost. You might immediately transition from more of a standard Western diet to an animal-based diet and see your grocery bill, go up by 25%, and that's really scary at first, but you've got to ask the question, what happens, what do I get back for that extra 25% investment that I'm spending in my health? Well, I get back my health, I get back my clarity, I get back my motivation and momentum and my productivity. And what does that afford me in life? Maybe that's more increased performance at work and I'm hitting targets better. And that's all going to come full circle. And if nothing else, the worst thing that happens when you start to improve your health is that you look better, you feel better, you get happier, and you're ensuring that you're setting yourself up for a good health retirement. And I think there's no better investment that you could make in your health. So while sometimes these things can be a little more expensive than the ultra process junk in the middle of the supermarkets, it is an investment and you have to see it that way. What I choose today impacts who I'm gonna be tomorrow and so on and so on. And one of the cool little lines I, I heard a long time ago and it stuck with me is, what, what I eat is a short-term investment in how I feel, a midterm investment in how I look, and a long-term investment in my health and freedom from disease. So I think about that when I'm setting myself up for success. I think about that when I'm shopping and not just going on the hedonic treadmill of mouth pleasure because it's a short-term investment in how I feel. It might be delicious, but it's gonna make me feel Bleh. It's a midterm investment in how I look. If I eat those foods that aren't serving me, I'm not gonna look the way I want to and I'm not gonna have the health and freedom from disease in the long-term. And the good news about animal-based diet is it doesn't have to be tasteless. It doesn't have to be bland. It's delicious. I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't delicious. Because one of the core values of me myself that I, and I want to feed my family food that is delicious and tasty, we are excited about every single meal that we eat. So this becomes, you know, the invitation is to get creative because rightly so when you're thinking about all the foods you can't eat because they're not approved on an animal-based diet, you can kind of shift into this mode of deprivation and it's deficit driven. And you start looking through that lens of like, ah, oh, there's so much stuff I can't eat. I can't eat this cause it's got that in it. And I can't have, you know, my bread or my, well, it's not that you can't, it's that you're choosing not to. It's that you get to not eat these foods because you know they're not serving your health. And instead of thinking of all the things that you're giving up, think of all the things that you're saying yes to. Think of all the things that you get to gain. But still, we have to be pragmatic in solutions here because it might feel like, well, this is very restrictive and there's not that much left. I'm just eating meat and fruit for the rest of my life. What if that gets boring? Well, it won't because you'll have many tools and many different ways to prepare meat and really nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. But healthy can also taste delicious. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. If you just eat bland ground beef for every single meal, yes, you are probably going to get bored of that. I would too. So I don't, Um, we diversify, we come up with uh, marinades and even sauces. There are not animal-based sauces, like a hollandaise sauce, and you can make sauces with avocado oil and heavy cream. There's many, many ways you can get creative. So shop for success. Ditch the processed foods, light you've got them out of the home, and fill your shopping cart with the fruits, the meats, and then go check out the eggs and the dairy. And by the way, this doesn't have to be done inside of the supermarket. Remember that. There are uh, wonderful options in most cities and towns across the world right now where we have farmers markets set up on Saturdays and Sundays. You can go and you can shake the hand that feeds you. You can talk to the farmers about the products and how they raise their cattle and and where the things are coming from and what practices they have. And if you have a little bit more disposable income to invest in those people, to support your local ranchers and farmers, it's going to go a very long way to kind of steering the food system in the direction that we want to and to set set ourselves up for success and support those people that are doing it the right way to take some of the power back from this big food giant that we're kind of railing against. So if you go to those places, that's a, that's a win. You can talk to the farmers. You could maybe find where you can get raw dairy. If you can't find raw dairy in your supermarket, which is very common because in many states it's illegal, you can go to rawmilkfinder.com and you can put in your zip code or you can go and chat to these people and they will usually have a little tip and they will become your milk dealer. Uh, So sometimes that's uh, a necessary evil to try and uh, source that delicious, wonderful and bioavailable food. The other option as well is something that my family has used quite a lot is to do a cow share. And this sometimes is a little more difficult because it requires a bigger upfront investment to buy a half a cow or a whole cow processed. But there's a way in which you can do it because in the long run it's going to work out a a much cheaper price per pound and again because you will be going directly to the farmer you're cutting out the middleman and you'll be able to choose where you invest your money with that person and how they're raising that animal so you could split a whole cow with a couple of families, for example, or you could split a half cow with another friend and bring that price down. You'd have to have the freezer space to do this. But again, you play the long-term investment game. I recently did this last year and we're about at the end of our half cow. And that came in at about 220 pounds of meat. So I had to go out and I had to buy a chest freezer, which cost to me about 300 bucks. And then I had to go out and buy the half cow, which cost me about 1200, if that memory serves right. So all in, I was fifteen hundred, but I got two hundred and fifty pounds of meat, and the meat itself came in at about a price point of six fifty to seven dollars per pound. Now that was everything from the grass-fed and finished ground beef, all the way up to the fillets and the tenderloins and the ribeyes. So you could get ground beef at that competitive price. But if you go to the supermarket right now and you try and find a good quality grass-fed and finished ribeye steak, you might be looking at $18 a pound, $20 a pound, depending on what state you're in. So a long-term investment to fill your freezer with delicious food. And then every day it just becomes a, a you know an exciting game of opening the freezer and saying, what delicious meat do we want to eat for dinner today? So that's something you could play with too. It's not always available for everybody. But remember, you don't have to shop in supermarkets. There are many other options. You can go to these big boxes stores like costco and buy a bit more in bulk and you can go directly to the people that you want to support at your farmers market and diversify where you're sourcing your um, food from so now we've set our home up for success we've set our shopping cart up for success so we're bringing back the healthy foods into the home now i think you you need some staples for each meal so you're not kind of lost in the wind of wondering what to do so we'll start with breakfast and breakfast is pretty easy one to figure out because if we learn to cook eggs, even if one way, but if we can learn to cook eggs in a couple of ways, we can mix it up and change our breakfast quite reliably with a delicious, nutrient-dense food in the source of eggs, which are rich in cholesterol and choline and B vitamins and retinol, and delicious, a good source of protein and fat. So you could learn to fry eggs, you could learn to scramble eggs, you could learn to poach eggs, you could learn to put eggs in a little muffin tin and make popovers, and all of a sudden, you've got many options for breakfast. Now, your sides with those eggs could become some well sourced Uh, pasture-raised bacon, for example, or some beef bacon. This is a thing that I've come upon recently and it's very delicious. Um, You could have some of that ground beef that I was talking about. A pro tip of mine is to just cook up an extra pound or two of ground beef at the beginning of the week and add it to meals for an easy quick hit of protein. I can get it easily an extra 25 grams of protein by throwing some ground beef in my omelet, for example. Or you can pull in last night's leftovers. If you made a big old steak dinner and there's a couple of strips of steak left that you didn't get to finish, they go great with eggs in the morning because there's nothing like starting your day with some steak and eggs. And always as a side, you've always got this opportunity to pull in a bit of that fresh fruit that you had. You know, some of the the berries, some of the chopped up strawberries or bananas, or even if you're feeling fancy, you could invest in a juicer and make yourself a nice cold pressed orange juice every morning or something like that so you've got an egg dinner for lunch for me it's always just thinking about protein for me personally i like to do a bigger breakfast lunch is kind of light and then dinner again is slightly bigger and for so for lunch for me i'm either looking at just a, a hit of protein and some fruit something that doesn't disrupt my day too much doesn't cause a whole mess in the kitchen that can get me back to work pretty quickly but again is pulling on this longest lever, which is protein. You'll hear me say protein, protein, protein over and over again, because I really think it's the cheat code for setting your diet up for success for many reasons, but primarily being that protein fills us up. It's very satiating. And one of the biggest reasons that diets fail, at least in my experience, is that people are hungry. When you're hungry, you don't make good choices because you're hungry. You're, you're basically fighting against yourself. You can have as much willpower as you want, but eventually it's going to run out and you're going to start going to the easy snacks again or pulling through the drive through because you're starving. It's not fun to do that. Protein makes you feel full. When you're full and you're satiated and you feel nourished, you're not going to want those foods as much. So you wanna set yourself up for success by front-loading protein early in the day, if possible, there are numerous studies looking at how you switch macros in a person's diet. And if you front load that protein and you get them a good hit of protein in the morning, let's say 50 grams with breakfast, on average, they will eat about 10% less calories over the course of the day, as opposed to somebody who started the day in a high carbohydrate state. And that will you know, bear itself out pretty uh, extensively in terms of health and body composition when you stretch that out to days, weeks, months, and years, because that's a huge saving on the calories that you're going to consume, which will eventually come from your body composition and make you nice and lean and strong and healthy and insulin sensitive. So front-loading protein and then basically prioritizing protein at each meal, shooting for something that is a good generous palm size serving at least, all the way up to having an easy number or target to hit in your head of getting as close to let's say 50 grams of protein per meal because that's an easy number to work with. If we say 50 grams of protein at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's gonna put us at about 150 grams of protein per day. It's significantly higher than the RDA, which we know the recommended daily kind of allotments are not there to thrive, they're there to basically stave off disease and sarcopenia and most people are under eating protein. Now, if we get most people to 150 grams of proteins a, a day, well, some people are gonna need more than that if they're an athletic male, because we say about a gram per pound of your ideal body weight, but it's a good starting point. Now, some people, you know, smaller women that are not as active, they're gonna need a little bit less from that. Some men that are more active, they're gonna need a little bit more, depends on your goals, your body composition, your targets but it's a good middle ground to shoot for. And if it means if you come under a little bit on one day, you go over a little bit on the next day, it's fine. It's going to be total protein flux over the week as opposed to micromanaging every single bite of meal. But it's a good target to shoot for. It's a good little home base to think, how could I get as close to 50 grams of protein at each meal? And I'm in a pretty good spot. Then I need to maybe pull on a certain lever to add a little bit more. And that might be a a little snack or just adding a little bit more protein to those meals. So ground beef or leftover steak or whatever it is that you can prioritize your protein with at lunch. And dinner is going to look very much the same. Dinner's going to look like protein forward again. Maybe you're pulling in a bit more creativity now because you've got a little bit more time to be playful in the kitchen, a little bit more time to make a mess. So one of the things that I've been playing with a lot recently, which has been really cool, is to start cooking fruit a little bit more I'm playing with that. I'll throw peaches on the smoker with a little bit of honey and butter. I will start stewing some apples and slow cooking them to make like a, an applesauce kind of thing. Uh, It's really, you can get really creative here. And if you are thriving and you really want to go for things like um, the more digestion friendly fruit family vegetables, more avocados, more tomatoes, even more like squashes and things like that and your digestion responds well, this is a good time to get those things into the diet. But again, always remembering that we're prioritizing and front-loading protein to set ourselves up for success. And maybe even spending, if you're very new to this, maybe spending a few days up to a week of inputting those numbers into something like uh, a calorie counter or chronometer just to give yourself a target. You might realize quite quickly that that 150 number of protein is not that easy to hit. It is a decent amount of food and that's something we really wanna prioritize in animal-based eating is we don't want you eating tiny amounts of food and starving and, and you know surviving in more of a scarcity mindset. The, the long-term goal here is to be able to eat as much food as possible that's that good information that's pro-metabolic and allow you to maintain and sustain your goals whilst eating a wild diversity of food that's healthy and delicious. So with that said, I, I think what I would recommend here is to master a couple of different cooking methods, and that's going to give you a lot of uh, different kind of ways to shuffle the deck, if you will. So... Master how to sear something, right? Searing is basically hot and fast, something like a steak. Now, the the challenge here is that there's a lot of people that say, I can't cook, and I'm going to push back on that. I think everybody can learn to cook because we have wonderful resources now, millions of cookbooks, and also YouTube. And you can learn pretty much anything you want on YouTube these days. So get on YouTube, type in how to sear a steak, type in reverse sear, whatever it is, and start to learn how to just... Pull out your steak a couple hours before cooking, salt it, leave it at room temperature, get the pan nice and hot, couple of minutes per side. And if it's a big thick boy, then you put it back in the oven for a couple of minutes at 400. There's your sear skill. Master that skill so that when you get a steak, you know it's gonna be delicious. And it becomes a skill that you can apply to other cuts of meat too. Different steaks will all cook roughly the same and it's just gonna change on the time that you cook them. If you've got very thin flank steak, for example, a little less time searing than a big, nice juicy but then This will also apply for how you could sear some pork chops, for example. So a sear and a hot and fast method is something that's very beneficial. I would also say you want to master a low and slow method. So it's a lifesaver for me and my family to have an instant pot or a crock pot or a slow cooker in the house. Because when we know our day is going to be busy and we've got a big uh, chuck roast, for example, in the freezer. We pull it out the night before, it thaws out. I know I can throw that in there with some bone broth and with some other goodies that I wanna sneak into the, into the slow cooker and I can set that thing and I know that I'm gonna be eating a delicious, fall apart, tender, slow cooked serving of meat about eight hours later. And the benefit here is that those cuts are usually more affordable and cheaper. If you try to structure this diet by only eating ribeyes, you're gonna see that grocery bill start to skyrocket really quickly. But if you go for the odd cuts or the bigger cuts that are a bit heavier and a bit more you know fat rich and lo- slow cook um, they, they have that slow cook tendency they'll usually be a little more pocket friendly so look for things like osso buco and shanks and your chuck roast and your eye of round roast these are all things that are usually more budget friendly and they're really delicious when you learn to master to cook them and you can't go wrong with an instant pot or you can't go wrong with a slow cooker i think you want to have one staple oven-based meal So something that you can do that you know you can put on a sheet pan, you can roast away at 375 or 400, so you master one oven-based meal too. You can get fancy, you can have a bonus round here where maybe you have a grill or a smoker or an air fryer and have something in that arena too. Do you know how to cook a steak in an air fryer if that's all you've got? right? Ideally, I think we'd all rather cook a steak in our cast iron or on an open flame, but maybe in the office, you can use an air fryer and you master how to cook an air fryer in that way. Or maybe you've got a smoker and on the weekends, you want to pull it out and you want to throw a brisket on there. Or you want to do some ribs or whatever it is, because you can really get some delicious flavors input through the smoker there. Or you want to become the grill master and you want to make your ground beef patties with a little bit of liver in them. And you want to sear those up on the grill. And maybe you want to cook a dozen of those on a Sunday. And now you've got these little protein bites for the rest of the week. So master those things and you can't go far wrong because now you've got some diversity. And of course, I already started with master your eggs because there's breakfast taken care of. Now with that kind of diverse uh, little stack of skills that you've got, you've pretty much got all of these different options that you can create and you should basically be able to structure about a dozen different meals, which should keep it nice and um, exciting for you. There's a lot of variety there. And like I said, don't, don't forget you can get creative with certain condiments and sauces. You can make your own. You can, when you've cooked off your beef, you can use the drippings to make like a gravy or a pan sauce. You can make a hollandaise sauce. You can make these other animal-based sauces. You can use honey on steak or maple syrup. It sounds weird at first, but if you try it, you will be a believer. So that's, um, there's some tips to hopefully help you start to establish some structure around what it could look like to have a more tangible way of eating animal-based. Like, what do we do? How do we shop? I have some tips here to buy in bulk and save a little bit of money and not uh, get bored of what I eat. So I feel great. I start to get healthier and I'm really excited by what I'm eating. So that is kind of where we would go. Always prioritize your protein, get your carbohydrates from your fruit, your honey, your maple syrup, your raw dairy, diversify, have fun with it. A challenge that I would set for you, especially if you have a partner or a loved one that you can do this with, is to try and learn one new recipe a week. Uh, there's an, there's a, an abundance of recipes now. You just type in animal-based recipes, you're gonna come up with recipes. Paul's published a cookbook. Um, there's so many different ways that you can make this diet sustainable and fun. And I would say that there's nothing quite as fun as getting your health back and reclaiming your radical health. So good luck and keep going and uh, enjoy this wonderful way of eating because I've been doing it now for well over five years and I ain't getting bored of steak and fruit yet. So, without further ado, it's time to chat to some of our callers today and see what they are bringing to the show. So, first up, we have Jason from South Carolina. Hello, Jason. Are you with us, my friend? What can we help you with today?
1: Yes, I am. Thank you so much for taking my call and uh, helping me out with a question I have. Um, I'm 47 years old, and I've been doing intermittent fasting for... Uh, probably almost six months now, and I'm on an eighteen six. 6 I'm really only eating eating almost one meal a day, mm-hmm. and I try to try to um have a, a balance um, where I have some good protein, whether it be steak, chicken, and maybe a maybe a carb. And so I've been doing that now for almost six months. I have shed about almost 20 pounds. I've lost a ton of inches. Um but my real question is I got turned on to heart and soil from a podcast and I started um, taking the supplements and I've noticed after a couple of weeks of taking the supplements, you I'll try not to get too graphic here, but when I go to the bathroom, everything doesn't, everything doesn't flow out like it used to. It, mm. it, I, I don't want to say I'm constipated, but it, I just, I can't think or fathom that, you know, natural, um, beef organs would, you know, bind you up like that. And I was wondering if you could shed some light, maybe kind of give me some tips on, cause I love taking the products. I mean, I do feel a little better, um, what I could do to maybe kind of help that process, you know, go a little bit smoother.
0: Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that, Jason. Um, good job, man. Reclaiming your health. I'm, I'm curious here when you're taking the supplements, are you taking the supplements with that? You know, it sounds like you're trying to kind of practice like an OMAD kind of eating or a very compressed window and I want to talk about that too but are you taking the supplements in that window too or you taking the supplements as a standalone with water in the morning when are they when are they coming into the diet
1: yeah they come in in the morning I just take it with water if I do um have coffee it's black coffee so I just take them with in the morning with either some water or my coffee
0: Okay, so I think that maybe, well, firstly, with anything like this, I, I agree with you. I don't think that anything in any of the supplements, the beef organs, the whole package, whatever it is, should really be doing anything to slow down or alter digestion. If anything, they should be speeding it up and helping you kind of you know, clear up any nutritional inadequacies and, and help things keep moving. But maybe what's <clears throat> kind of happening here is a long-term consequence of the one meal a day, um, the potential slowdown of the digestive system because it's a little bit, maybe over stressful here. So something I've seen a lot um, in my own personal journey when I definitely did more fasting, and also with a lot of clients we tend to find something like a a very powerful tool like fasting and love the freedom that it gives us in the sense of a full control over our choices and our appetite and our hunger and this ability to usually feel pretty good while fasting too. You know, we definitely operate a little bit more kind of cortisolemic. So we've got a little bit more of that stress hormone buzz. It's like a low grade coffee buzz all day long. It feels really good. But stress is stress is stress. And one of the things that happens when the, the, the body starts to get, um, you know, in a, in a chronically elevated stress state was it starts to slow down or shut down bowel movements because it becomes less of a priority. If the body is signaling stress, it's basically signaling scarcity and survival. So the other things can slow down, digestion being one of them. It's quite common in this pathway. So I'm wondering here if the uh, supplements are maybe serving as a, a red herring, if you will, for something else that's going on, which is maybe it's time to start widening that window. Maybe it's time to accept that this has given you a lot of great results, like you lost 20 pounds, you've lost a ton of inches. But again, on a one meal a day or a very compressed feeding window kind of regimen, you are pigeonholed to the amount of food that you can get in. You know, you're only human. There's only so much you can eat. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of chronic undereating going on that can commonly happen with uh, people that are practicing this. And maybe we need to start shortening that window uh, or even kind of trying and running this experiment again of what happens when I go back to more of a traditional way of eating? What happens when I get a breakfast in? It doesn't need to be huge, but let's run the experiment. Let's see what happens because it seems to be, especially especially. especially with this new emergence of like circadian biology, that if we eat a a good front loaded um, breakfast, it's actually setting ourselves up for success, not only from a sleep paradigm, but a metabolic health standpoint. And if we're doing a compressed feeding window, usually we're not eating that whole time. And then we get our biggest meal because we're trying to make up for the lack of food we've had the entire day, closer to bedtime, which can have some negative effects sometimes. So that could be what's going on because now you're taking the supplements on an empty stomach in the morning with water. And it's not that they're non-nutritive. They do have nutrition. They're, they're small and the calories are very negligible, but they're very nutrient dense. So it's kind of confusing maybe sometimes for your body to get that tiny little bit of food and then nothing else. And now you've got stress and now you're going the whole rest of the day without it. And then you said, maybe I'm doing a little bit of coffee too, which is kind of adding to that dose of stress a little bit. And that might all just be causing things to kind of freak out a little bit and say, all right, I'm gonna slow down here, I'm gonna stop. And that results in a little bit of a slower digestive system and a little bit of constipation. So what I would suggest, or the, the I guess the question I'd ask you is, would you be willing at this point to open up that feeding window a little bit and try something different knowing that, Widening that window doesn't necessarily mean you're not gonna continue having results. It actually could mean that your results could get better. It actually could mean that, that 20 pounds that you've lost, hopefully most of that is fat, but some of it could have been muscle too because when we go into those deeply stressful states, we start to you know see this need for glucose and that goes in these stressful pathways like gluconeogenesis and maybe some of that's being pulled from muscle. So we see with extreme fast weight loss, It's great on one hand because we're like, yeah, we're getting closer to our goals, but sometimes 20% of that weight loss can come from muscle tissue too, which is less than ideal. So I know I just threw a lot at you there, but I'm curious as to how you would feel or whether your intuition is kind of pulling you in any direction here in terms of widening the eating window.
1: Oh yeah. I I mean, I'm open to, um, I'm always wondering if, you know, how long one should stay on an intermittent fasting you know, cause basically it's like a way of life. I do it every single day. Yeah. I have one day, uh, on a Sunday maybe where I actually do eat a breakfast and, you know, I have a couple meals a day. Um,
0: how do you yeah, feel I'm on totally that Sunday? To... How do you feel on Sunday when you do that? It's one day a week. Do you, do you notice anything like that's crazy different from your standard?
1: Um, I mean, Sunday is kind of like I don't really do anything. I just kind of rest because, like, during the week I'm just so active. Um, I mean, I feel I still feel fine. Like I said, I'm 47. I feel I feel better now than I did in my 30s. Love it. And and so yeah, I like I said, I've been I'm willing to you know try anything. I've been doing a lot of research and reading and listening on you know like your podcast on you know all me diets. And I haven't fully. You know, dove into that, yeah, but I'm still, you know, intrigued and wanting to learn more, and that's why I'm listening to you guys. Hmm. And I think it would be great um, to, if I could get started on that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely open to, um, you know, shortening that window, maybe actually having, you know, some eggs and bacon or something for breakfast and, you know, seeing how that goes.
0: Good. I think that's the move. I think that's the sensible move here, Jason, because what got you here is not necessarily gonna get you there. And what I mean by that is what got you here, this amazing kind of like, I'm feeling better than I felt you know, 20 years ago it might not be the thing that's gonna get you there, which is, okay, what else is uh, available to me? What if I now wanna get like stronger and what if I can lose another five pounds and build some muscle and enhance my cognitive abilities and clean up this digestive issue where my number twos are nice and smooth and reliable and all of that stuff too. The, The digestive system is a window into what's going on internally. And I think that too much of a good thing is not a good thing and too much fasting too often is not ideal. And it sounds to me like we, we use this term intermittent fasting and I like the pushback of saying that this isn't really even intermittent fasting anymore. It's more time-restricted feeding. And there's benefits there because all of the benefits in the sub 24 hour fasting window are pretty much coming solely from calorie restriction because the other benefits of true intermittent fasting, which seems to be that the the benefits of things like autophagy and extreme cellular turnover and the kind of internal housekeeping that happens seem to really kick in after 24 hours. So you're kind of in this, Almost like a strange no man's land where, yeah, you're you're definitely reducing calories by a time restricted feeding window, but you're not necessarily reaping all the benefits of a potentially longer fast. And again, the caveat there is that they can be stressful too. So what I would do and run the experiment right now is to widen and open up that window. I wouldn't go for anything like a sixteen eight or a twenty two two, and I would actually just start to play with this idea of let me take all of that food I'm trying to cram in in this hour and let me, you know, re put it back into my day. Let me have those. Was eggs for breakfast let me have a little bit of protein for lunch and let me you know continue on with my nice big um dinner so that would make a lot of sense to me. And then you can eat the organs with a meal, with water. And I think your digestive system will respond quite nicely there because a huge part of the digestive system too is hydration. And we always think water and electrolytes, which are key, but we forget food is hydration too. And fruit is specifically hydrating and meat and fruit together is very hydrating. And when we're hydrated, that digestive system can keep, you know, adequately moving along nicely. So I think you seem like you're on the right track, Jason. And uh, maybe what we should do as well is get you a bottle of gut and digestion and we'll send you a free bottle of that to just clear up anything that's going on down there and support you in the right kind of way. So I appreciate you calling in, Jason. I'm very excited for what the future holds for you because it sounds like you're just getting started. Awesome. Next up is Layton calling from Georgia. Layton, what is going on?
2: Hey, man. Uh, not much. How are you?
0: I'm very well, man. Thanks for calling in. What can we help you with?
2: Hey, uh, yeah. So um, I've just kind of been interested, uh, basically, the the normal six capsules of serving that kind of come uh, with each bottle where it gives you about, I believe, an ounce yeah. of organs uh, in total and nutrients. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, I, I'm a fitness coach, um, functional fitness, and, uh, I have kind of been interested in not only what kind of, you know, uh, health being the absence of sickness or anything like that, mm. but actually more towards the thriving. In fact, I believe you said it before you, uh, took the first caller in terms of the recommended dietary allowance for protein It's mm. not really recommended for people that want to thrive, but for people that don't want to have to, you know, have the, um, ill effects of things like sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. So my question is kind of in the same vein. Um, what would you say is, you know, and, I, and I'm sure it's dependent on, on the person, but like taking, taking me, for example, uh, 23, uh, fitness coach, uh, I would say I'm pretty, pretty active, mm-hmm. um, uh, work out a good bit and take a lot of steps. But what, what amount of like organ supplements would you say roundabout would be needed to thrive as opposed to just make sure that I'm not, you know, having any big holes in my nutrition?
0: Yeah. Great question, Leighton. Uh, Thanks for what you do. We need more people like you helping other people get healthy. So that's awesome, man. I think um, when when we think about organs over the long run and clearing up nutritional deficiencies and adequacies and really moving from survival to thriving, I like to see it like as a saturation kind of deal. So we don't just take organs once and think that they're gonna fix everything. And depending on the individual, like you said, we we might be operating at more of a deficit and that deficit means that more time or higher doses might be required to bring us up to our baseline and get normal. But the goal is ultimately get everybody to baseline where they're operating fully fueled, fully nutrified with these tools and with these foods and then saturate with it. Not overly saturate with it, because we don't wanna spend too much money and we don't wanna overdo anything, but get ourselves to a place where we've kind of cleared up the, you know, underlying nutritional inadequacies, and then we're just operating at a kind of full tank from a nutrient perspective. And some of that's obviously gonna come from the diet and the lifestyle and the sunshine and the grounding and the stress management, but a lot of it's gonna come from the diet too. And because just generally speaking, we're not prioritizing as much organs and fresh organs in our diet, this is where something like supplements come in and they're really beneficial. So with the you know full serving of six per day um, of like beef organs, for example, the good thing is it's it's diverse, right? It's not just um, the ounce of liver, for example. Now, we always say that prioritizing fresh is ideal if you can. And if you're prioritizing fresh liver, for example, just a half an ounce a day, it's a tiny amount, is, is enough to hit those numbers. And you could do that every day if you want to, or you could do a slightly bigger dose a couple of times a week. But with the beef organs, because you've got the liver, the kidney, the spleen, the heart, you're getting this... nice diverse entourage effect of a bunch of different things and you're kind of microdosing a lot of the great uh, benefits of the organs and I think you'll reach saturation pretty well especially if you're taking care of the other levers in your diet and removing processed food removing the things that are pro-inflammatory because that oxidative stress also seems to pull micronutrients and to pull minerals and put us back into that deficit so I think adding something in like the organs is is a very smart move to kind of just see it as almost as an insurance plan, as nature's multivitamin to cover all of your bases, to know that those bases are being covered from real food in a very bioavailable package and will be the things that undercover at a micronutrient level are helping you thrive. And then layering over top the macro of, you know, the protein, the appropriate fats, the appropriate carbs, especially at your energetic level and the output and the training that you're doing. And also the macro macro stuff of the lifestyle and the sleep and the stress management. Um, so, what supplement are you taking right now? Is it the beef organs? And does that kind of answer your question or help a little bit?
2: Oh, it, it definitely sheds a lot of good light. Uh, I, you know, for me, it wasn't even like, you know, I, I hadn't, I, I mean, I should have in hindsight probably thought about the diversity of the organs as being a factor in it as well. It's just not the, you know, not just the quantity or the volume. But but yeah, right now, um, you know, and it kind of is a little affirming in a way. I definitely do take a, I feel like a pretty, uh, broad range so right now it's been the the mood um, and brain and then gut and digestion because uh, I do I have some uh, pretty annoying IBS and then um, mm. uh, and then I also have been taking some uh, the histamine and immune mm-hmm. um, just just because again maybe kind of seeing how that would uh maybe balance out some of the, the crazy you know IBS related stuff but also to the pollen's been coming here in Georgia so I
3: gonna
0: yes.
2: see if that would Maybe help a little bit as well, but yeah. So a pretty broad range at the moment.
0: Yeah, cool. And I, I like that stack. So you've got a you know good range and diversity there. Like I said, if you you can overdo anything. Uh, uh, too much of a good thing is not necessarily a good thing. Like if you were just eating ounces and ounces of a single organ over the course of, you know, days and weeks, you're probably gonna oversaturate. But you've got such diversity here with interesting nutritional compounds that seem to be very complementary. So I think you're you're looking really good there. This IBS story, is that something that is moving in the right direction, would you say, as you've transitioned more to an animal-based diet? Do you think there's anything there that's still lingering that could potentially be stopping you from fully putting this to bed?
2: Uh, it's, it's definitely gotten better. Um, for sure. It's, uh, yeah. And, and I would really credit, um, just not, not just the, the organs. I mean, I, I feel like that's definitely helped out as well. Um, simply because, uh, I can't have, uh, as many fruits as I'd like, or mm. maybe not can't isn't the right word, but I just, I, uh, I don't frequent, I can't frequent many fruits, mm. uh, very much. I can have them occasionally, but with that, the organs are definitely I feel like come in and making sure that I'm not getting any micronutrient deficiencies from, again, mainly what I eat are like pineapple and oranges and, um, blueberries. Um, it's like just pretty much all the berries, uh, except for blackberries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with that like restricted range of plant foods, I feel like organs were, were a huge help. And honestly, I think what really helped a lot too was, uh, the raw dairy. Yes. Um, and, and fermenting it, uh, has kind of helped out tremendously. Um, but yeah, overall the lifestyle, Approach uh, given uh, by you know people at Heart and Soil and um, people like you that promote that animal-based, I, I can't tell you. At least for me, it's 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 been a tremendous help. I mean, it's kept me out of the hospital.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: you know, quite a bit over the last two years. So it's been it's been a it's been a big blessing. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate your uh, your knowledge and what you do.
0: Good job, Leighton. It sounds like you're you're well on your way to healing, my friend. And it's, uh, it's really cool to hear those testimonies. The last thing I'll, I'll, I'll add for you is it sounds like nutritionally speaking, everything's moving in the right direction. You're pretty clued up. You're doing the right things. Just being young and being a go-getter and being a trainer, I think just the invitation here is to look at lifestyle practices and shift more parasympathetic when there's some gut stuff going on. Again, it's so intricately connected to this overstressed state and the sympathetic nervous system and the go 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 and the do 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 and i imagine that you're going and doing a lot as a trainer and as a coach and as a busy human because we're all busy so it's an invitation here to also look at the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system Instead of the go, 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 the do, 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 where are we BB being, right? We are human beings, not human doings. Are we coming into the day nice and grounded and well resourced? Are we sleeping well? Are we getting that morning sunlight? Are we grounding our bare feet in the grass when we can? Are we taking time to check in with our breath? Are we even just doing a breathing practice of like lengthening the exhale, that that break to the nervous system instead of this constant like, everything's go, 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 and everything's stressful. And there's a time to sprint and then there's a time to rest. And we kind of want to create a marathon of sprints where we play hard and we rest really hard. And we go hard and we train hard and we break down our muscle and tissue and we get after it. And then we rest really hard and we refeed and we refuel and we re-nourish because I often just see that I remember when I was 23 and you're basically made of magic and rubber and you could just go 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 and do 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 and if you start to build those practices right now of a little more balance they're going to really just help to keep you balanced uh, which is a a key thing but I think you'll see it reflected in maybe some of this lingering gut issues too and just keep moving forward in that way. So I think uh, hearing that you're you know, struggling with allergies and such coming uh, there with the pollen and we will get you an extra bottle of histamine and immune seems to be a really powerful supplement there. So we'll be sending you out a free bottle of histamine immune to support you and keep you, uh, keep you grounded during allergy season. Thank you very much, Leighton. And last but certainly not least, we have Ryan from Virginia. Hello, Ryan. How can we help you, mate?
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call today. You're very welcome. So I, have, I have... I just had a quick question uh, about fasting. I know there was a previous caller that talked about it. I'm more asking from the side of is it worth considering like one or two extended fasts um, per month and more so for the benefits of like longevity, mm. cognitive function, and then just clearing the system?
0: Yeah. So, what I like about this question, Ryan, is to build on some of the points that I was telling Jason, like this maybe a, a new thought process around fasting because 16A and, and, and those kinds of fasting windows came out and they were called intermittent fasting. And I like more of the work around like what Peter Atier has done to shed light on this and basically say, well, let's call that time-restricted feeding because If we really look at what's going on from a deep, Fasting protocol and some of those longer benefits, it does actually take the longer fasting windows to tap into some of those things. And maybe the time restricted feed in is just a caloric restriction tool, which can have its benefits, but maybe also, maybe not have its benefits because we're, 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 stressing ourselves and our system a little bit too much. So I personally have become more of a fan in the last year or so of less frequent fasts in terms of time-restricted feeding and eating just, you know, three square meals a day and really nourishing and nutrifying myself throughout the day, but then doing sporadically a longer fast for more of this deep cleaning that you're alluding to, or maybe even a a fast more so just for the mental benefits or the spiritual kind of conquest of let me see who I can be without this over-reliance on food. the caveat here is always to understand that fasting is stressful you know when we do go into a fasted state you, you can compartmentalize at the mind. You know, you've just set this arbitrary goal of doing a 48 hour fast, but your body is not thinking that way. Your body is just saying like, wow, we are not being fed. And that's a problem. And these metabolic adaptations are going to occur, right? At first, you're going to kind of like get through your glycogen stores in the muscle and dump some from the liver. And then you're going to upregulate ketone production. And if you go long yeah. enough and long enough, you'll start to chew through some of that muscle. So it's a, it's a dose makes the poison kind of deal. Um, But there can be some profound benefits from a psychological, emotional regulation standpoint. Like you said, if you constantly are feeding the gut all the time and you've never done that and you've never stopped and you've never allowed everything to just quiet down and heal. That's where some of these benefits come in. So it sounds to me like your intuition is saying less maybe of the frequent time-restricted feeding, but what happens if I throw in a 24 to 36-hour fast once or twice a month? What happens if I, if I throw in a 48-hour a fast, you know, once a month or a 72-hour fast once a quarter? Because a lot of these longevity experts are, you know, talking about some of the potential benefits from that. And I seem to think that that's a smart move. I think everybody should try it at least. You know, it's if nothing else, even if you only do it once and you set this cool target of doing a 48 hour fast and. You can do it and you're like, wow, I survived (laughs) without food for 48 hours and I didn't crumble and I didn't become a, you know, a blubbering idiot and I can still get on with life. Uh, It's very empowering. It's very freeing. And there's certainly some benefits that come there. And always just the caveat of you choose that when life is good. You choose that when you're not in a completely overwhelmed, stressful state at work or you've got some issues you're working through in life or something like that. You wait until the time is right. I'm feeling really well resourced right now. I've got a, a long weekend or I'm, you know, just got the emotional capacity and the stress capacity right now to handle a little bit more of that fasting stress so how does that sound Ryan and what other questions are is that clarifying for you does it bring up other questions
3: yeah absolutely I, I previously had done like a 16-8 a couple of years ago but I've been following uh, the animal based uh, diet for probably the last 12 to 18 months and kind of have gotten away from the sixteen-eight. but mm-hmm. I We'll just curious about the the 24, 36, 48 hour fast. Um, And it sounds like it could be a good thing to do. So I'm definitely open to trying that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And what I would say, Ryan, is to go a little bit longer than the 24. So like if you're going to do the longer but less frequent fast, I think that's a smart thing to experiment and see how your body responds. But because because again of less like emerging research of like 24 hours plus being uh, some interesting insights to what's happening start with that 36 you know um at 24 because you might just be starting the process of where like things are really kicking in and getting interesting and then and then you break the fast right and you go like dinner to dinner and by the time you're on a 24 hour fast if you ate you know dinner on monday and you get to dinner time on tuesday and don't choose to eat then you've only got to kind of relax for the next few hours and then sleep and then you buy yourself another eight hours and then you skip breakfast and you make it to lunch and all of a sudden, hey, 36 wasn't that bad. And maybe you feel great. And maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to push this until dinner time. And there I did a 48 hour fast. And wow, look at that. You know, something, some cool stuff definitely happened internally. But also I think what we've got to be careful of when, whenever we're talking about fasting is, is truly and deeply listening to your body. Um, you know, don't just pick a number and then be so disciplined that you ignore all the signs and the signals from your body that's screaming out like, hey, you know what, this isn't the right time. You know, And for, for you know, female listeners, maybe that's thinking about your cycle and things like that too. You know, It's not always gonna be the right and optimal time. So don't have some arbitrary number or date on a calendar and ignore the symptoms from your body or signals from your body that's saying, hey, not this time. And if you need to break that fast earlier, even though you had a goal of 48 hours, then break the fast. It's, you're not a failure, you're just listening to your body and your body speaks. And I think one of the things we do a lot as humans is we ignore when the body speaks, for what the mind thinks. And that can get us in trouble sometimes. So just be smart about it. It seems like you're pretty tapped in, but I would definitely suggest, yeah, playing with this and experimenting with it and shooting for that 36 hours. And if you feel good, push it to the 48 hours. And then, you know, maybe once a year as kind of like a little initiation. You do a 72 hour fast. That's something that I still do to this day, just once a year, 72 hours uh, without food. And the longest fast I ever did was 95 hours. And I felt great. Um, but again, it's not something I'm gonna do regularly because it is stressful and you probably lose a little bit of muscle, but I trust that you can build that back with the animal-based diet as your framework. So I hope that's helpful for you, Ryan. Good luck and check in with us and let us know how it goes. And by the way, um, did we talk about, are you on any of our heart and soil supplements? Or are you just kind of doing this alfresco and real food-based? What's going on there, Ryan?
3: I am taking a whole package and uh, gut and digestion.
0: Okay, cool, man. Well, let's support you and let's get you another bottle of whole package for free because that's one of my personal favorites. and. Uh, it's always going to be helpful so thank you for calling in and thank you for sharing your journey with us Ryan and that's it fam another episode in the books we looked at animal-based eating tips how to set yourself up for success with a pantry purge how to shop for success so the foods that you're bringing into your home are going to be delicious nutritious nutrient dense and supporting of your health journey that's what it's all about It's all about learning, it's all about choices, it's all about just being a little bit better than you were yesterday, 1% better every day, and slowly making these changes and iterations. So when you watch this show, leave us a comment and let us know what are some of your tips on how you've structured and maintained an animal-based diet over the long run. Share some of your recipes, share whatever comes up or the biggest takeaway that you have from this. I hope if you're just getting started, this episode was a little bit helpful for you. I hope if you're an OG and a long-term animal-based dieter, this episode was validating for you and you were like, yep, check, 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 check. And we just keep going. Consistency is key. Enjoyment is required. Let's have some fun doing this thing called Health Fam and we will see you next week peace out. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.